Uh, we continue today in the series of 52. Um, you are, first of all, for visiting with us today, we're here. Thank you for being here. Thanks for taking time out of your day and your week and to be with us, to work with God with us. And we've been in this uh, series of 52. Um, the inspiration, again, for this series comes from the book of Nehemiah, the Old Testament book. This man named Nehemiah, uh, the book is named after him and what God called him to do at that time in Israel. This is a historical book. We find um, at the beginning things were, were not going well for Israel. They had uh, disobeyed God, they had sinned, and then because of their sinfulness and their disobedience, God he pulled them way back before his prophecy that even even through Moses. He said, if you follow God, it will go well with you. If not, there will be consequences. The part of those consequences is that they would be exiled. They would be sent out of their homeland and exiled into um, other parts in that region. And this is exactly where we find them. Um, at the beginning of the story of Nehemiah, they are actually, some of them are coming and returning home, but things are not good. The temple had been torn down and the walls of Jerusalem, these big, gigantic walls that represented great strength, had been torn down, burned to the ground. And Nehemiah, this man who was actually working for a foreign king, he had been part of the group that was that time, he was working for a foreign king. Word comes to him that the walls were torn down, and he's very grieved about this, and, and, and so he's working for a foreign king. He's up there to the king. He gets word that the walls are torn down. God calls him to a, a mission to go home and to work with the people to rebuild the wall. And so we're not going to be, we're not looking at this book or verse by verse, but we're taking um, inspiration from this book, and I believe how it speaks to us and our hearts as believers today. I believe it's an Old Testament picture, um, a prophetic picture of the New Testament church, that we come before the Lord, and we, we in ourselves are broken. We must be church. The church is a group of broken people that need Jesus, right? We don't have it all figured out. We don't have it. Uh, we, we've not, not arrived by any shape. We have just, I believe in Jesus, follow Christ, has just realized their need of Christ. We put our hope and trust our lives into His hands. And, uh, and but we are still broken down in our own hearts. And we need Christ to restore us, redeem us, and rebuild us. And so that wall is a picture of all of us. That wall is a picture of, I believe, of, of God's call to the church to be a part of the kingdom, to be a part of spreading the good news of Jesus to see lives restored, rebuilt, and redeemed, right? And so this Old Testament picture, Nehemiah comes down and they begin to rebuild the wall. And he works with the people. Everybody has a job. And we're going to be getting into um, what God has called to our purpose, our commitment to that God has called us to do to be a part of his kingdom. And so the beginning of the story is kind of sad. He gets word. It, 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 there's a saddest. This is a story of redemption. Let's look at a key verse from Nehemiah 6. This is the good news. This is at the end. So on October 7, the wall was finished with 52 days after it begun. That was a, that's a miraculous statement. The walls were in shambles. God using his people. Um, and, and, and working among them and with them, and they did their part, and God did His part, and they miraculously rebuilt the wall in 52 days. There was restoration, there was rebuilding, there was redeeming of that which was torn down. This is the hope that we have in Christ that can be given our lives, that we can restore, rebuild, and redeem us. And so we're looking at these different aspects of the story. Where do we? You know, when, when we find our lives kind of in a place of, you know, we have a need, if we're, 
you know, our hearts are somewhat crumbled down and, and we need we need Christ to begin from a relationship with Jesus. And you see Nehemiah right out of the gate, he begins to pray. We've been talking about prayer. And the first thing he does is he gets word and he begins to pray and, and he begins to look at God and he, you know, he doesn't just in crisis say, God, where are you at? Look at the walls, look at my life. And look. He didn't just pray this crisis prayer. And they were in a crisis. And we sometimes find ourselves in crisis. First thing he does is he declares who God is. God, you are awesome and full of love. Then he repents and he begins to say, God, we understand, I understand why the walls are tumbled down. I understand. It's something that you told him one us through the prophets long ago, and God always is calling people who love me think, come back to me. If you continue to be God of your own life, making your own decisions, you will fall off the proverbial cliff, and you're going to go in a place of destruction. God says, I have a better plan for you. And the children of Israel, they disobeyed him, and they kept going their own way. Their story is our story. And God calls us to Himself, to salvation, and says, surrender your heart to me. I, I have a better life for you. And so they were bent on doing their own thing. And so Nehemiah recognized that. He said, we disobeyed you. We went our own way. We became God of our own lives. We rejected you. And now this is the consequences. And he begins to repent. And so he declares to God that he repents. And then he begins to fret. I'm not going to go into the passage that I went two weeks ago, but Nehemiah 1 and 2, he has this trip that he comes and he's working for the king, and the king says, why are you so sad? You know, something's going on in you, why are you so sad? And, and he pauses and he begins to fret. Lord, give me favor with the king. The king goes, what is it that you want? Because he said, my, you know, the, the wall the, of my home is the wall to torn down, and the king says, what do you want? And Nehemiah prays, and it says that he prays. And in that moment, he doesn't stop and say, Be quiet, King, let me just he's, he's, he's having a relationship with God and saying, Lord, help me. And so he begins to tell the king that God begins to give him wisdom and strategy and says, May I go back to my homeland and may I rebuild the wall? And the king gets in favor, and, he, and, and, and the Lord answers his prayer. And so we've been in this idea of prayer. Steve talked about it last week. I talked about it the week before, but I think it's very important that God wants to begin to even change the way we approach prayer. How we pray. That's what we call today is how we pray. And so this step toward redemption, this step toward rebuilding and restoration of prayer, the chief purpose of prayer is to know God. That is the, the chief purpose of prayer, is to know God. Most people approach prayer, and there's a lot of people that say they pray. And most people approach prayer is, I'm going through a crisis, God, I need you to rescue me. And a lot of people get disheartened with God and say, well, I prayed and he didn't answer, and so forget him. And I believe God wants to change the way we see because the chief purpose of prayer is not God rescuing me out of the crisis. It's God, I want to know you. I want to know who you are. I want to walk with you. I want to walk in relationship. We were created as human beings to know God and be known by God, to be in relationship with God. That's why we were created. We're not a glorified ant farm that God just says, all right, let's just watch them do what they do. Yeah, this is kind of interesting. Let me zap that one and zap it. It's not that way. For all you cool kids that you can barbecue ants with a magnifying glass, you know who you are. 
Some people see God like that, that He's just kind of over the dance on watching. He, he's individually and intimately comfortable. He wants to do He loves us deeply. His response to our sin and rebellion was to send Jesus to find the cross. That's how much He wants to know you. And so prayer isn't us bringing this list of needs, but getting to know the God who loves us. Not for what He can do for me, but for getting to know Him and getting to know my heart. Now, we are told that we can pray and we bring a request to God. I'm not saying that we don't do that, but it's how we do it and how we approach it. The request that we need the first thing, the first thing is to know Him, to know His heart. And so as we get to know Him more and more, my hope and my prayers that will change how we pray and change how we ask, and I believe it will. So we're going to dig into the Word of God about how we pray. We walk with him, and then he gives us the revelation, like you see Nehemiah. So this he says, what is your request? He says, he's just walking with him. This is a man that knows God. Again, when he hears about the wall being torn down, he doesn't just pray a crisis prayer. God, get us out of this mess. We'll serve him forever if you rescue us. He doesn't even go there. Not a crisis, panicky, rescue me prayer. He says, God, you're awesome and you're full of love. I know the wall's torn down, but that doesn't negate the fact that you are good and you are awesome and full of love. And he gets to see this the man who walks with us to the king says, what do you want? And he says, that he says, you don't know what he says, but he says, and then he turns to the king and says, I'm, I'm, I'm asking for a request to go and rebuild the wall in the king's then we're going to see how the king just says yes and the king gives him things to be able to go and accomplish the rebuilding of the wall. So last time I was here, weeks ago, we looked at Jesus teaching us to pray. If Jesus is teaching us to pray, how many of you should probably listen to that lesson? That's probably a really good lesson on, 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 on prayer. So let's look at Matthew 6 again. Jesus is talking about prayer. And we will get into the Lord's Prayer, what we call the Lord's Prayer. Many of you know that prayer. You've heard that prayer. You've maybe recited that prayer. But I, I, I'm going to uh, bring to you today, I think it's more than just a prayer that we just, uh, our Father of our heaven, how is that name? I can't even I'm not saying it's wrong to pray that prayer and, and to pray it that way. I, I'm not saying, but I believe Jesus is trying to reveal something deeper and unpack how we should approach the Lord. And you'll see as he unpacks what he's trying to say. And so, here's what Jesus says. He says, when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites. And he's talking about the religious people of the day. He's talking about church people in this time. The Pharisees who were guardians of the law. And they were, but they were filled, they, 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 were, just, they were just filled with hypocrisy. He says, for they loved to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen of others. In other words, they were out there and they would pray out loud and they would Pray how much they know, and people were like, "Oh, you know, you guys are so amazing, golf clap for you." And and, and and they loved that. They loved to be seen of men because they had all these rehearsed prayers. And he says, "Don't pray that way to be seen of others." Truly, I tell you, they receive their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Now, is Jesus saying literally go into your room? Now, it could be that if you go into your room and you close the door and you pray. But I think more than that, Jesus is saying. Make intentional time to get alone with them. Okay. Make time 
to get along with God. It can be in the morning when your morning drive. That can, but it can be in your room. It can be somewhere during the day where you say, I'm going to get along with God and I'm going to want to know He's going to get along. To pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees. I love that He's unseen, but He sees. And that's faith, but we believe that He sees. Well, I don't see you, but I know you're there. And it's just how He sees you. And He hears you. Then your Father who sees what He's done in secret will, 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 will reward you. And when we pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. One translation that says, vain repetition, babbling, vanity points to me. Self-centered is it. Me, 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 me. God wants us to get to know Him and then actually begin to pray for others. Yes, pray for yourself. I'm not saying that. But when it's just your self-centered praying, vain repetitions, many words, Jesus says, do not be like me. For your Father, He knows what you need before you ask Him. It's not like when we pray that God is up there going, man, I've never heard this before. He is already aware of our needs. He sees us and He knows our hearts. Because this then is how you should pray. Knowing all that, God sees you, He loves you, He knows what you need. This is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive those who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And so today we're going to unpack what Jesus is saying there in this prayer and how he teaches us to pray. First of all, he says, pray this way. And again, one of the Gospels that says that the disciples are asking him or teaching to pray. You know what they're doing? And I said this a couple of weeks ago. They see that he was a teacher. They see that he heals. They see that he has all authority. And we don't ask God to Jesus teaches to heal or, or teach or have authority. They say, teach us the relationship you have with the Father. That's what they're doing. Teach us what you have with the Father, whatever that is, because we see that the teachings, the healing, and the authority flow out of your relationship with God. And so that's why they could teach us to pray, because they understood prayer is relational. And when Jesus was saying this to them, he said, he starts out by saying, pray this way, and the first two words reveal that it's a relational prayer. Our Father. Not just our God, our Master, our Savior, our Lord, our Creator. He is all of those things and more. But Jesus says, understand that He is your Father. And that's why I think fatherhood is attacked so much in our culture. No matter if you had a bad dad, a good dad, whatever, this is within an absent dad, we have a Father in Heaven who is perfect and loving and kind. And if you had a horrible time with your dad, which many have, or you had an absent dad, you just didn't really even know the love of a father. The enemy wants to seize on that and make you see God that way. You know, so, wow, God is a perfect father. And he hears you and he sees you. And so Jesus is saying, prayer is relational. Our Father, who is in heaven. Then he gets them to the attributes. Hallowed be your name. And that's those things that we say, Lord, teach me about this. Uh, sorry, the key purpose of prayer is to know God. 
Our Father, relational, hallowed be the name of your name. And so he encompasses all the things that you can do. where in prayer, first of all, approach him and say, God, thank you that you're my Father. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that in my sin, your response to my sin as my Father was not to just simply punish the sin, punish me, but to punish the sin because you sent Jesus. And that's how you displayed your love to me. That you gave your Son because you loved me. Then he said, Hallowed be your name. That's when we thank him for who he is, his attributes. That he is loving, he's merciful, he's gracious. Also, his name, Hallowed be your name. He is Lord, he is Master, Savior, Redeemer. He's my healer, my provider, my protector. He is my all in all. He is my righteousness and my holiness. He is my peace. He is my comfort. He is my joy. So many things that we see the absence of the names of God and who He is. So Jesus said it's relational to put to know Him. He says, Father, He's so much more. Then He gets into, and I'm going to spend the majority of my time here. Because I think this is a very important part of the prayer that we simply sometimes just push to the side. He says, pray this way. Pray to the Father, your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what is Jesus saying? This prayer, this part of the prayer, your kingdom come, your will be done. It's a prayer of confidence. It's a prayer of trust in who God is. It's a prayer that we trust in the sovereignty of God. Your kingdom come. It's a, it's a wonderful, amazing prayer that we can say, Lord, I don't get what's going on. I don't understand why I may be going through what I'm going through, but your kingdom come and your will because you be seen in and through this. I trust that you're in control, even when it seems very much out of control here. And we can look at the, the news and the things that are going on in our world and we can say, wow, is God really in control? What you're seeing, yes, he is. And if a man has temporary kind of somewhat of some dominion and control, and you're seeing when you see sinfulness and you see horrible things happen, you're seeing people trying to be in the place of God and they're doing a lousy job. But he's very much in control, even in a world of chaos. This is the revelation of Isaiah 55, and it says, Your ways are higher than our ways. Your thoughts are higher than our thoughts. Lord, you are so far removed from us, yet you're so close to. Isn't that cool? See, we're not given all the information. Sometimes we think we are given all the information. We're not. That's why it's called faith. Faith isn't mustering up something. It's just trusting and believing that he's in control and that he is who he says he is. I believe what the Word says about you, and I claim it as true. And, but we are told to pray and bring our requests to God. And again, how do we do that? I said, I, I, I dealt with this a couple weeks ago. It's not up on the screen, but Philippians 4 says, Do not be anxious about anything. That's just an amazing statement right there. He says, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And then the peace of God, which transcends understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And so we are to present our request to God with thanksgiving. You know what I, you know what I think that means? That here's our request, but thank you that you're already in control. Thank you that you understand. Thank you that you are all over it. 
that you are aware of it. But here's the thing, we're, we're going to look at this in a moment, but we're also told by Paul in Romans 8 that we really don't know how to pray as we are. Doesn't that seem a little bit confusing? Because if you look at those side by side, Paul and, and Philippians, he says, in all things, bring your prayers and your requests with thanksgiving to God. And by the way, in Romans 8, you don't really know how to pray. Good luck. Seems a bit confusing, but it's not. It's not confusing at all when you unpack the Scripture and look at the whole concept of Scripture in prayer. So why pray? Again, pray to know Him. And it's the difference between Christ's praying and relational prayer. Let's look at Romans 8. And these are just hopeful passages. Look at what it says. Um, in the same way that the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know how to pray as we ought. That's for everybody in here. I don't care who you are. Paul says in the Word of God that we don't really know how to truly pray as we ought to. But then he says this to give us this, this incredible promise. But the Spirit Himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. The Spirit is praying for us. And he who stirs in our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people, what? In accordance to what? The will of God. So the Spirit knows the will of God. Sometimes we don't know the will of God, and that's why Jesus says we can pray, your kingdom come and your will be done. Sometimes I don't understand what you're doing. I don't completely get the will of God. But Lord, I can ask that you have a will in heaven. You are working in heaven. You are all in control. Let your kingdom and your will be done here as it is in heaven. And it's a prayer of trust. Interestingly, right after that, that he says this, he is so hard to know the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people to to the will of God. And he says, all things work together for good to them that love God and are all according to His purposes. Romans 8, 28. Because we can trust the Lord that everything that's happening, all things work together for good. Even in the chaotic, even in the troubling times, this is also today is praying for the person to the church. There are many people, many hundreds of thousands and millions of people that are being oppressed because they are believers. Barry, this morning, we, we, we sat in the morning to pray together, and he reminded me of a story that, of, of, of two women that were just brutally attacked by members of ISIS, tortured. I mean, unimaginable things happened to these two ladies because they were believers. And while it's happening, they are calling on the name of Jesus. Folks, we, we have no contact with that. We are living a very blessed place. You know, one of them can say, well, you know, where's God? What? You know, if God really loves us, what he rescue us? Because they're seeing beyond the torture. They're seeing beyond. They're seeing it from eternity. We are eternal beings, not just earthly beings. And although they, they might torture, they might kill my body, they cannot kill my soul. And in a little while, I will see them face to face, and it will be worth it all. Because in this whole context of Scripture, Paul tells us about the love of God, what gets separated from the love of God. And he even lists 
some very horrible circumstances. Famine, sword, persecution, and all these things were more than conquerors to Christ. That God is not absent if you're going through hard circumstances. And that's the difference between knowing God in relationship and Christ is praying. Christ is praying and approaching God, and I don't really know him because I was just going to cry out to him when I'm going through a hard time and my, my life is falling apart. And God, I need you. You didn't answer me. I don't need you anymore. As opposed to God, I know you. You love me. We're walking in relationship. I mean, I get it, but you are in complete control. Let your kingdom come and the will be done. God be glorified through this. Move and work. Please, God. Be seen. Then we drop down a few verses, and here's what it says. So the Spirit is praying for us, and look, look what it says now. So the next slide. Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. You are not condemned when you belong to Jesus. Christ Jesus who died more than that, who was raised by the at the right hand of God, and is also interceding for us. You have the Holy Spirit and Jesus praying for you today. That should make you very happy. You think that God is aware of your needs? You think God is aware of your world? The Holy Spirit is praying for you, and Jesus is sitting at the right hand of the Father making intercessions for you. That's awesome to me. Because then after this, again, nothing can separate us from the love of God. Even when you're going through the hardest of circumstances, God is there. Jesus is praying for you. We can trust Him. We can trust Him. And so then the, the verse of the scripture that Paul says, for we know in part and see in part. We don't see the whole picture. Some people think they do, but they don't. If Paul says you don't have to pray as you ought, and also we only see a part, please don't pray like you see the whole thing. That's a good way to have your heart hardened and disheartened when things don't happen the way you think they should happen or the way you were praying that they would happen. I've been there. I've been there praying for people, praying through, you know, people praying all over the earth, literally, you know, for, for sick people. My mother-in-law, people I've heard, people that are claiming this and claiming that, and, have it, and, then, and then things don't happen, people die, and then people get disheartened and say, well, what's the use of praying? Because we see in part and we can trust Him that His kingdom will come and His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And Jesus is trying to tell us, don't pray those Christ's Don't pray presumptively. Walk with God. Walk with Jesus every day. And then we can trust that His will is being accomplished. So His kingdom come and His will be done on and I've heard people say this, and it just troubles me. Like, certain things. Well, we don't have to pray the will of God in that. Like the feeling. Oh, we don't have. We don't have to pray the will of God. You don't have to. If somebody's sick, you don't have to pray. You shouldn't pray. Your kingdom come and your will be done for this person's feeling. Jesus doesn't get an exemption for that when His people just pray. We can pray that way because we trust Him. Is it God's will to heal? Yes, it is His will to heal, but it may not be on this earth. We are created more for this earth. We are eternal beings. Not beings. Beings. 
we, we kind of teach ourselves from this little study that comes out, human beings. So it's not a human being, it's a human being. So I just taught myself. Pronounce it. But Tennessee talk. We're created for eternity. And yes, sometimes for God's glory, He intervenes and He does a miracle. He can do miracles. He can do miracles. It's nothing to do with Him. It's very easy. He has all authority over sickness, all authority over demonic things. He has all authority. It's very simple for Him to do it. But He's working in and through us, and there's something greater going on. He sees us from eternity past to eternity future. He sees you in 20,000 years. He saw you at the foundation of the earth. You are more than just this human being that lives maybe 85, 90 years, 100 if we get the bones from it. He sees us in eternity. This is all a plan for you, and the plan is not just on the earth. We also have a plan for you on that temporary blip of earth, but this plan goes far greater than that. If you walk with me, you will walk with me there. And yes, healing is for every human being on planet earth, but it may not manifest here. It will manifest here if it's God's will and for God's glory. But sometimes I've seen people die for God's glory. Martyrs of the faith who, you know, what were they thinking when they, you know, God rescued me and God doesn't lose their head or they are tortured for their faith? And this happens all over the place. Well, where is God? God's right there. He is with them and they are going to see Jesus soon. And their lives are not just for this life, but it's for eternity and they see that. Sometimes we get the desperate on this life. And I'm not saying that. You know, whatever will be, will be. We, we can ask God and we can seek God, but we do it in a place of rest and trust, not in a place of panic and anxiety. We don't just call special prayer meetings when things are all, oh no, something bad's going to happen. We need to call prayer meetings. No, we need to be walking with God. I'm not saying prayer meetings are a bad thing, but sometimes we, it's crisis time. And we need God. Crops are a little dry. We need God. Let's walk with God. Let's walk with God. And God, you are in control. You see the ending from the beginning, and I want to place my life in your hands. I don't want to just pray. Christ, I want to walk with you in relationship because you've created me, not for just this life, but for eternity. May I keep my eyes on you. And so what about the passages? Some of you might be thinking, well, Jesus tells us to pray and ask for whatever in his name he would do that. These are not up there, but John 14, 12 to 14, Jesus says, Truly I say to you, whoever believes in me will do the worst I've been doing today will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. I will do whatever you, you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. And people, well, what about that? To that in a moment. Matthew 21, 21, 22, Jesus replied, Truly I tell you, if you have faith and do not doubt, not only, not only can you do what was done to the future, but also you can say to this mountain, go throw yourself in the sea, it will be done. You can believe you will speak whatever you ask James 1, 6 or 7, when you ask, you must believe and not doubt, because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That person should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Such a person is double minded and unstable in all they do. What are these passages saying? If we take him to that a formula and that prayer is simply asking for God, he's going to do whatever I you know, to just read it for what it is and say, okay, I ask whatever in his name he's going to do it. Well, I've been asking for $14 million for a few years. 
Man, I haven't seen it yet. I'm not talking about a toy horse either. Don't even be bringing that to me. Because sometimes we can pray on this, and I think that we sometimes we have done damage with these passages because we have not looked at the whole counsel of Scripture. And we look at what Paul says, he says, you're not, you don't know how to pray if you are, but you understand it's evil to pray the will of the Father for you. Because then we can, we can pray what, what, what we thought was going to happen, and we pray and believe like it's telling us, and then it doesn't happen, so what then? Well, then that's a torment to me. Now I've got to try to figure out what's wrong with you. And did I miss this and the 85 reasons why you did not get what you thought you were asking for? And then it becomes a torment. And I don't believe relationships with God should be tormented. I believe it should be a trustworthy, peaceful, relational law. Because people can take those at face value and get disheartened when it doesn't happen. And then we just feel really trying to figure out what part of the formula did I give that I'm afraid not, did I pray the right way. But if we understand that prayer is knowing God, it isn't a formula. When we approach God in faith, believing that He's real, He is who He said He is, we start to get the, the heart and the mind of Christ. Remember what the Bible Jesus teaches to pray, teaches to know God. Then we pray in humility, not in presumption when we're knowing His heart. We ask confidently, but we ask Him for rest. So whatever we ask for in His name begins to change from what we thought we needed to needing Him. Hallowed be your name. He is what we are looking for. He is joy in Himself. When I'm looking for joy, when I'm looking for rest, when I'm looking for peace, sometimes He may not escape me from the situation He's asked the person to occur, but He might be peace itself with me. He may not get me out of the fire furnace, but He might show up in the fire with me. Sometimes we ask, the wrong way. And it's Him all along that we've been needing and getting and needing to get. It's like those women that were tortured for their faith. And they can say, well, God is in your will to rescue us and people, other people that are tortured, other people that go through horrible situations that God seems to be asking for a loop and we can just say, well, God, are you deaf? Are you, what's wrong with you? And when you're walking with God, God, let me see the bigger picture. Let me see you. I get you. I may not get the children, but I get you. I may not get the rescue, but I get you, and you are worth it all. We get Him. We get Him. We get contentment, that's what Paul says. I, I found the secret to be content in all things, whether I have much or little. And he could say, well, it's not God's not your will for me to have a little. And he said, no, I found contentment and peace in either having a lot or a little. Having a full stomach or an empty stomach. Well, God, who would, it's not your will for me to have an empty stomach. Well, ask these poor people that love Jesus that are living in North Korea right now. They don't have a clue where their next meal is going to They're starving to death and being tortured for their faith. But they get fed. And Paul says, I've learned this contentment. He wrote these words from prison saying, I've learned contentment because I can do all things through Christ who's me because Jesus is to do that. I get. 
and I might die in this prison, I might die with an empty stomach, I might die with nothing, I might die with cancer, I might die with whatever. But if you, if you are what I did, then I get to see you face to face, it will be worth it all. To God be the glory. First John 5, and we're going to close up with this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God, and this is about prayer. This is the confidence that we have in approaching God. If we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of Him. It is Him that we get. According to His will, we can pray and trust in confidence for this will. Our prayer for our needs and the needs of others to be, Lord, do whatever brings you the most glory. Lord, however you can be seen in this, do that. And sometimes He will miraculously intervene. We feel miracles. That doesn't mean He loves one and doesn't love another. That's why we can get away from comparing ourselves. Well, why did God heal this person to have this cancer and this person may die? What did God love this one more than the other? No, we love them both the same, and He is getting glory out of both lives. His work in and through us, not just for this life, but the life to come. That's why we have eternity in our hearts. And if He's giving today what I need, give me today my daily bread. Jesus is our daily bread. He is the bread of life. And that's what Jesus says to people pray. Give us today our daily bread. Give us today you. I'm desperately needy for you today. And then He says, God, forgive me and help me to ask us forgive others. That prayer of repentance, again, that as we walk with Him, stay in right relationship with Him. Listen to the promptings of the Holy Spirit when you hear off, God forgive me. I'm going to check my heart because we have to speak, as David Dupree says, have gone astray, and it's easy for us to veer off and go our own way. God, let me listen to the check of the Holy Spirit, the conviction because you love me, you want me to walk in a relationship with you. Forgive me of my sins as I forgive those who sinned against me. So who do you need to forgive today? If you are not forgiving, and if you are not forgiving from your heart, and you are holding on to unforgiveness, folks, that is a, it's an easy way to walk in bitterness because Jesus said, I can't forgive you unless you forgive as I have forgiven you. Who do you need to forgive today? You need a right relationship with God and other people. And he said, don't lead us in the way of temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. In other words, don't help me not to learn the hard way. God, don't help me not to just learn that I need you only when things are going bad in my life. Help me to need you all the time. Help us in America where we are so blessed and we... You know, we, 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 we don't think a thing about what we're going to eat or, you know, it, 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 our biggest stress is, you know, I'm, I'm hungry and I've got 20 things to choose from. We can come to church if we want to. We don't even have to come to church. And there are people that are in underground China in the churches in North Korea and they are meeting for the fear of their lives but Jesus is worthy of their lives. And they see it and they hold it with such a precious and a precious gift. Don't just pray when things are going bad. Walk with God. Be and, and we have to get to go and pray in America because it's easy for us to not really need much of anything. And those folks understand it at a greater level. But God teaches them. And then Jesus ends this way: For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory 
forever. Jesus, it's all about you. It's always been about you. It will always, forever be all you. Yours is the kingdom. Here's that next slide there. Next slide. Next slide. This should be our greatest prayer. God, for your glory. Jesus, for your glory. It's all about you. It's always been for you. Let my life be for you. Lord, in whatever situation I find myself in, let me find myself bringing you great glory and honor you. That his power is working my life, the power of the Holy Spirit in operation in and through me, the gift of the Spirit, the ministry that he gives me each day are not bringing attention to me, it's to bring him glory. Always. So my encouragement is pray, pray a lot. Pray to know him. Bring your request to God, knowing that we don't get the whole picture, but we can pray and trust him. We can pray and intercede for others, and we can ask and seek and not but do it in a place of rest and trust, knowing God when you stand with Jesus, we love you. Thank you for the day. Thank you, Lord, that you are speaking to our hearts, Lord, that you call us into relationship with yourself. Lord, to know you, to be known by you, the God of the universe that wants to love you individually, Lord, I just am so overwhelmed by that. That, Lord, you saw me in my sinfulness and my brokenness, and in response to that, was just going to Jesus to die for me. The cross that I deserve, you took upon yourself. I pray, God, for your people. I pray for each one of us, God, that we would realize the need for you. Lord, that we would pray and pray a lot. Lord, that we would fill our lives to bring you glory. We would fill our lives to worship you, to see you, to adore you, to honor you, to walk with you, to know you. And then to pray in a place of rest and trust, knowing that you've got it all under control. We love you. Go before us today. Be with us today. Be with us this week and help us to walk with you every day. In your mind, name we pray. Amen. God bless you.